today on CityCast DC. If you haven't been to the Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens, there's no better time than now. It's a free national park within city limits, and its Lillian Lotus Festival is in full bloom until the end of this month. Cornelia Poku from the Instagram Black Girls Explore DC just explored the park, and we chatted about how it's got something for everyone. Today is Thursday, July 28th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. One of my favorite things about D.C. are all the different hidden gems, especially things out in nature. And Cornelia, you recently went to the Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens and had a great experience in there. It's definitely something that everybody tells me, you've got to check it out. You've got to check it out. What's it like? So Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens is stunning. They're they're telling you to check it out because it really is beautiful it's lush there's a lot of people but it's somehow quiet there's all this like beautiful nature around you it's just you just feel like you're gone like you've left the city it's peaceful and it's perfect I really (laughs) I really enjoy being there but that's like the high level overview of how great the gardens are so you said it was peaceful even though you're in the middle of the city like does it feel like an oasis Oh, absolutely. So the entrance to the park is in a neighborhood. So you're already kind of off the main roads. It's off 295. So then you get into the neighborhood. It's already pretty chill and quiet. And then you, I drove. So you get out of your car and you walk through this like brush (laughs) and then it opens up into this beautiful area with the ponds. And it really does feel like you've left a little bit. And Also, it's part of the Anacostia River, so you are, like, right by the river, and there's not that much around there in terms of vehicles. Um, So, yeah, you really do feel like you've escaped. It is an oasis. So one of the things that I know that it's kind of known for are the water gardens, these, you know, lush-looking bodies of water that have lily pads and flowers on them. Yeah, so there are several of them in the main kind of area of the park, and they're separated by these grassy paths. And it really is just this little pond or this little marsh, and then there's a bunch of lilies kind of covering it. I got on my hands and knees, and I got really close to the water, and I could see little wildlife in there. I saw these, like, tadpoles, and I think I saw them hatching. I think that's what I saw. (laughs) But they were so adorable, and they, like, were bumping into each other. It was just so cute. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of those And even though they kind of look similar from afar, each one kind of has its own little ecosystem happening. I love it. And also, if you're watching, like, life being birthed and hatched and stuff there, it sounds like an ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier that you drove. It's such an underrated gem. But I have to say, getting there on public transportation does sound a little bit like a nightmare. How do folks get out there? Yeah, the closest metro stop is Deanwood Metro, which is on the Orange Line. But like you said, it's a little bit difficult even from there. It's still about a 15-minute walk after you get off the metro. For me, it was just easier to drive. But yeah, it just depends on what makes sense for you. And the good thing is that the park closes on the early side. So even if it's winter, you're still getting out like 
a decent time before the sun sets so you can feel comfortable coming on on foot if that's what you want to do but yes ubers also go there ride shares <laughs> do you know much about the history of the park yeah, so one of the one of the things when you go there is you'll see these wooden posts that have information about the park. And what I learned is that Walter B. Shaw acquired the land. He was a Civil War veteran, not related to Shaw as in the same Shaw that was a leader of the infantry that is like the Shaw Howard neighborhood, different Shaw. But yeah, so he named it the W.B. Shaw Lily Ponds. He actually was getting a lot of traction. He was bringing plants and also growing wildlife in the vicinity. And then he passed it on to his daughter, who would go on to really help grow the space and and almost bring it to where it is now. There was a time where it was just like straight up a dumping ground, like they were just bringing trash and burning it there. But obviously it was um, rescued and restored. And it's actually still going through restorations to this day. So it's been through a lot and there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. But it is, I believe it's 70 acres. I'm mistaken, it's 700 acres. Wow, that's much bigger than I would have thought. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, a park. But that's that's a substantial piece of, of, of property, you know, 700 acres. Yeah. And it goes so much further than what you can actually even walk on. So when I went in that area where the water gardens are, and then I also went on the boardwalk, it makes you kind of feel like you're walking out directly into the grass of like cattails and the pond that eventually leads out to the Anacostia River. So it it really it, there's just a lot of stuff and a lot of it we can't walk on because obviously it needs to be preserved but yeah it's really big so you've mentioned the cattails and the flowers are there other kinds of wildlife or nature that you saw there that really sticks with you there are a lot of birds and that's something that they are excited about and they have bird watching sessions and classes and there's also a photography class and a photography competition wow. because there's just so many things to capture there are beavers and turtles i did not see any um but i did see a deer and i told you i saw the tadpoles and um, lots and lots of different species of birds there are fish i didn't see any when I went, but I think there's a few dozen species of fish there. So it does sound like if you're looking to find a little bit of not just peace and relaxation in the city, but also some interaction with wildlife. I guess living in the city, sometimes it feels like you don't get a lot of opportunity to do that. And so yeah. it's nice to know that we have this spot for it right here in D.C., yeah, I completely agree. So I first learned about Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens, maybe 10 years ago at this point, I used to be a public school teacher and we went there on a field trip. Right now, I don't think that they're doing group tours, but that was my very first time seeing that. And I had all these young, lower income Black students from Ward 7, and they had never seen that. And it was just incredible just to experience that that wildlife with them. They would kind of, they would like hop and be like, is that a snake? Is that a snake? And there were no <laughs> snakes. There are snakes. I think they're an invasive species there. They did not see any snakes. <laughs> But yeah, it was just really cool for me to experience that with them in this place that feels almost like too much concrete. But to get away from that and then to come back this time I was by myself, didn't have to <laughs> take care of any students. And I wouldn't even call myself a nature person, but I just felt so 
at peace and so at one with nature and just, yeah, like I got away. I love that. And it sounds like the kids really loved it too. They did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's especially important for black and brown youth, like urban youth. I don't know. I just, I really appreciate that there are folks who are making sure that our little ones get that kind of interaction because it is important. Yeah, I completely agree with you. One of the things that is so important is like we take the kids to the National Mall and the museums, which is great. But we also have all these natural things that are right here in our backyard that they can also experience that maybe feels like it almost feels rural. So yeah, it's just nice that they do really get the best of both worlds. They get to be in this like incredibly powerful city where they can see historical artifacts that were collected, but also that was cultivated and fostered right here. Yeah, you put that so beautifully. It's like a special encapsulation of what it's like to be in D.C., what it's like to live in the city. Yeah. Definitely. So you've mentioned some of the different programs they have available at the gardens. Um, Are Mm -hmm. there any events? Yeah. So actually the water lilies, which are the main attraction, uh, they bloom from May to October, but their peak is July and August. So July is the Lotus and Water Lily Festival, and they're doing even more events than they normally would and really packing everything in. So they this year they have a series called Wilderness, and it's a bunch of like outdoor exercises like Tai Chi and yoga. And then they're also doing live steel and drum performances there's going to be a canoe tour and an iphone photography class and like all these other cultural experiences that are happening during this time and actually because of all the festivities on saturdays the hours are extended so normally it's eight to four but on saturdays the hours will be extended from eight to eight to help accommodate all the different things that will be going on so yeah they and this is all put on by the friends of the kenilworth aquatic gardens which is a nonprofit that helps make sure that this community space is well taken care of and enjoyed by the community and yeah they just do an incredible job with gathering these events and bringing everything together I love that it sounds like a place that you could really not just enjoy nature but Mm -hmm. community like really connecting with your fellow DC residents yeah yeah absolutely like when I was there and I saw the band playing the kids would run up and and pick out the instruments and start dancing and it wasn't even like you were watching a performance it was like you were part of a performance and I think that's what makes it really fun right you can go out there on a Saturday with no plans and you will stumble upon something Uh, I cannot wait to get out there you're making it sound fantastic (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for honestly hipping me personally to the gardens. I can't wait to go out. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And now for some quick news. Julia, what's going on? First up, LaQuandra Nesbitt is out and Sharon Lewis is in as the new interim director of DC Health. She's a registered nurse with a PhD in healthcare administration and has been with the department for 36 years. Lewis officially starts next week and she'll have her hands full between the new highly contagious variants of COVID and DC's very high monkeypox rates. We're still number one in the nation there, folks. Also on the government's radar, local bicyclists and their friends protested outside the Wilson building yesterday. That's where Mayor Bowser's office is. They say she needs to do more to protect bikers in the city, and they may have a point. Three cyclists have been killed by D.C. drivers already this year. 
And lastly, the City Open Tennis Tournament is back in Rock Creek Park this weekend. It starts on Saturday and runs through next week. If you're unfamiliar, the competition is sort of like a warm-up for the big stars coming to the U.S. Open at the end of the summer. Nick Kyrgios, Andy Murray, Venus Williams, and Emma Raducanu highlight some of the names you can see this year at much lower ticket prices than you get for the U.S. Open. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilvey. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Coates-Stemmerman. And our hosts are Michael Schaefer and me, Bridget Todd. Music is by Alex Roldan. Like the show? Tell your friends and family to subscribe. That goes for our morning newsletter, too. We'll be back Tuesday with more stories for you. Talk to you then. Thank you.